Christopher Daniels, how are you, sir? Good, man. How are you today? I'm doing well. This is this is Gary, and joining me is my co-host, Chris, and we are live on the show. So uh, welcome to the shooter. Welcome back, I should say. The last time we talked yeah. to you, Chris, uh, you were promoting Slammiversary 2013. It was you and Kazarian on the show at the same time. We did kind of a right. little quick radio hit. And uh, I was telling people earlier how much fun it was talking to you then. So now it's great to have you back on the program. Oh, now there's pressure. I have to be as good as I was last time or better. Now what do I do? Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll be just fine. I think you will, yeah. too. I, I want to just ask you, before we even get started, I just want to ask you how you're doing, man. I mean, obviously, you've got this cool comic book thing happening, which I want to talk about. But you did part ways with TNA. So I just want to kind of get a gauge on how you're feeling right now. I'm fine. You know, uh, you know, I, I don't really agree with the decision that TNA came down with, but I mean, you know, in the end, they're going to go in the direction that they want to go with the talent they want to go with. And, um, you know, there's going to be plenty of places for me to work. And, uh, you know, I'm just gearing up to start that pretty soon. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm always looking forward, man. I, I, I want to keep wrestling and there are a lot of places that want me to come and wrestle for them. So I'm looking forward to the, the new matches and the new, uh, matchups coming up. Well, definitely, and we'll we'll get to that in a moment. But I'm I'm intrigued by the comic book thing because now you're officially a comic book author, and you just put out your first release. Uh, talk about how that got started. Well, um, Art Baltazar and Franco are the two guys uh, that are behind All Yeah Comics. They also do a lot of stuff for DC Comics, like Tiny Titans and Superman Family Adventures, and um, they're they're actually uh, Eisner Award winning. Uh, creators and in addition to all of that they're also wrestling fans so about 2011 uh i was walking the floor at the san diego comic-con and uh walked by their table uh myself and ken anderson were walking Mm -hmm. and uh those guys like called us over and let us know that they were wrestling fans and um you know and i had heard of their comics before and, and thought they were you know very talented guys so anyway we met then um about six months later i did a signing in chicago at a place called Challengers Comics, which is one of the best comics uh, comic stores in the United States. Okay. And um, Art Baltazar was there because he has a store uh, in Skokie, Illinois, which is about 30 minutes from Challengers. So um, I got a chance to talk to Art uh, at length and, and uh, you know, hung out with him and got to be really good friends with him. Well, about six months after that, they did a Kickstarter to start their own self-publishing, uh, which is Oh Yeah Comics. Cool. And, um, yeah, so that, that's, that's, a, that's been about seven issues that have come out of All Yeah Comics and have got, uh, creations like, uh, Action Cat and Adventure Bug and Awesome Bear and the whole cast of characters. And so, um, just on a whim one day, I decided to try and write a story about how Frankie and myself would interact with Action Cat and Adventure Bug. And, uh, I asked Art if he was interested in, in making this in some way, shape, or form. And to my surprise, he was 1,000% gung-ho to do it. Oh, very so, cool. Um, I, yeah, man, I wrote that story in September, and uh, we ended up releasing it uh, in the middle of April, uh, you know, right in time for C2E2, which is the uh, big Chicago Comic-Con that just happened. And um, since then, man, I've had a lot of good feedback from the book, and uh, I've already written a sequel that, uh, you know, pending art and Franco's very busy schedule, uh, hopefully it will come out later in this year. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask you, and real quick, I'll let people know that they can find this at allyetcomics.com, which is A W 
yeahcomics.com. You know, with being a wrestler and, and trying to write a comic, because I'm not, I'm not totally immersed in that comic book world. How long does it take you to put together a story for a comic book? Um, well, I mean, it's different for everybody. This particular one, uh, it, it took me a couple hours only because, um, you know, it, it was, it was pretty, it was a pretty simple, pretty simple concept. It wasn't, uh, you know, there wasn't like a lot of twists and turns. And, um, so I mean, this one was easy for me, but I mean, I know how, how difficult it is because I've tried to write other stories in the past and sort of just, uh, you know, it fizzles out in the middle if you're not a thousand percent prepared and, and you've got your ducks in a row. Right. So, um, but this, this one took pretty, it was pretty quick. It was just a matter of like sitting down and getting it on, you know, on the computer while I had it fresh in my head. And that's sort of what I'm going through now with the sequel is that I've written the first part and I've already shown it to the guys, but the second part is still sort of, uh, it's still lodged in my brain. I have to get it out on paper at some point. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it can be very difficult, man. Well, I guess it's got to be like, you know, with anybody that writes anything, like whether you're like somebody in like a band, you know, trying to write music, I guess you can't really set a timetable to it. It's kind of just when it really, when it comes to you. Right, exactly. I, I, I don't want to, like if, if someone came to me and said, we need a comic book from you in a month, I, I think I'd be screwed. Yeah. But the fact that this, yeah, this, this, kind, this kind of, I was inspired to write this. And so it was, it was a lot easier uh, doing it with that, with the inspiration already there. Um, sure. You know, if I was forced to do it, if I, you know, if I had a gun stuck in my head, I might be in a little bit of trouble. Uh, so. Yeah. Have you been getting a, a good response so far from people that have checked it out? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, and, and one of the things that, uh, that I didn't really mention is it, uh, Art, and, Art and Franco do uh, a lot of stuff that's based towards an all ages audience, sort of for young kids. Yeah. And that's sort of the audience that I was aiming for in writing this as well. Um, one of my inspirations to write this was to try and get something uh, at TNA live events that we could sell to kids, you know, because the idea, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of kids at the live events that we had and um, you know, there's not a lot of merchandise that's tailored specifically to the kids. Right. I mean, there's a lot of stuff for collectors or for, you know, fanboys, guys that want to wear t-shirts with, you know, skulls and angel wings and stuff on that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, not a lot of stuff that's specifically for kids. And so I, I wanted to, sort of put something out there that would be sort of aimed to them and sort of get them involved with our characters and, and something that they could appreciate. Yeah. I mean, a lot, a lot of kids really get into the comics, you know, at a young age, is that something for you where, where comics kind of came to you at, at an early age or did you get to it later in life? No, I absolutely got into it. I can't remember a time when I wasn't reading comic books. And, right. um, you know, I, I, I think that that's one of the reasons that I, you know, I feel like I've got a pretty decent vocabulary and I feel like I read at a pretty high level. And I think, uh, I had to do with reading comic books, uh, you know, back when I was a kid. And, um, it wasn't until like seventh or eighth grade that I went from being just a reader to an actual collector, you know, someone that was putting the book, uh, the books in the bags and the boards and, and saving them in boxes. Yeah. But, um, that's where I'm at yeah. now, man. I'm at, I've been doing that since seventh or eighth grade and it's been a long time since I've been in seventh grade. So. Uh, I'll let you do the math. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I, I'm looking at your website, fallenangelchristopherdaniels.com. On the schedule of events, you're headed over to the MCM London Comic Con. London has always been really good to TNA. I'm sure you got to be really excited to go over there. Absolutely, man. And this was, uh, I mean, other than C2E2, uh, I mean, that was, 
this is the first Comic-Con that I've been invited to. Like, the, the C2E2, I sort of crashed the party with Art and Franco. But, I mean, these guys opened, you know, they, they offered the spot to me. And so I was very, uh, you know, fortunate to, to get a chance to go over there. And I'm very flattered uh, to be invited as a creator to, to sort of be a part of the Comic-Con. And um, so, yeah, it's going to be a good time. And like you said, uh, the UK has always been the TNA product. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I think a lot of people still remember me as, as a TNA guy. So I'm, I think it's going to be a good response for when Frankie and I go over there. Oh, certainly. I mean, I look at those crowds of when T, T, uh, TNA would go over there and do their TV tapings. I mean, when you look at like U.S. versus, uh, you know, London and stuff like that, I mean, to me, there was definitely... I mean, you're in the building. You could certainly uh, counter this if you like, but it seemed like the London crowd was very much more vocal, very much more energetic to a certain degree. And I mean, they just they really uh, clung to that product and really enjoyed it. Maybe it's just because, you know, TNA would only go over there, what, two, maybe three times a year, if that, or maybe even just once. I don't know, but, you know. Yeah, we would only go over there the one time. Oh, the one time. Okay, yeah. Yeah, we, we, uh, it's become sort of an annual event for us going over there. and, uh, yeah, definitely the London crowd, but especially this year when we went in January, uh, we were in Scotland, we were in, um, uh, Manchester and, uh, uh, we were in Ireland. So, I mean, all, all of these places had, had a great response and, and it has a lot to do with the fact that we're only over there once a year and London has become, uh, sort of a focal point of the tour. And, uh, we had one of our biggest crowds there, uh, that we've had, uh, in the past couple of years. So yeah, it's definitely um, it's, it's a situation where TNA is. As we all know that there's a huge fan base over there, and they're an appreciative fan base, and so um, you know everybody sort of steps up their game when we go overseas for there. Definitely. Now the thing with TNA, and I, I know I know you've spoke about this in, in a few other interviews, but despite that, I've been getting questions about how it went down. So without having to repeat yourself too much with it, can you kind of give us like the short version of of what happened there for the people that have not heard these other interviews and and the story of uh, how you and TNA kind of split up here? Well, basically, the the long and short of it is my contract expired in April, and um, they decided not to renew it. Um, you know, they didn't really have any plans for me or Frankie uh, in the next couple months, and they couldn't really afford to keep me under contract if they weren't going to use me in uh, in a substantial way. And so, you know, they've, they've just basically they've decided to put their eggs in other baskets uh, in terms of the talent pool that they've got. And, um, you know, it's, like I said, it's disappointing for me, but at the same time I understand that it's a business and they, uh, you know, these are decisions that are made. Uh, you know, the creative team decided to, go with different guys and um you know that's just the way it is yeah and, and you brought up uh frankie i i know there's a report out today i don't know if you can confirm this or not i certainly don't want you to speak for anybody else but uh, uh pw insider is actually reporting that uh, kazarian wrapped up with tna as of the last tapings can you confirm that is that something you've heard or um i can't confirm it 100 percent, but i'm of the impression that uh you know frankie's pretty much the same going the same route that i am so Right. Are you guys uh, looking to definitely uh, do like some tag team bookings? Is that going to kind of be the focus? Or are you looking to work more singles? Like when you go out to the indie stuff, or no? No. We're, well, we're definitely looking forward to to working as a team on the independent. But I mean, the truth of the matter is, we both just want to work. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, we want to be involved. We want to be involved with with uh, companies and professional wrestlers that want us there, that want to uh, put some effort into focusing on us, and you know, we. 
no matter where we've wrestled, we've always put 100% into the product that we've, uh, you know, that we, you know, when we walk down the ring, where it's been the wrestling or on the microphone or whatever, we've put 100% into everything we've ever done. And, um, you know, whether the, whether it was TNA or Ring of Honor or the Independence or Japan, that's my goal right now is to, to go out there and continue to do the best work that I can do. And I'm looking for, you know, a company that's willing to put effort into me the way that I will put into them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you, you bring up going to some of these other companies and someone I know you know very well has a, they, he started a promotion, uh, Jeff Jarrett uh, launched, uh, he, right. yeah, Global Force Wrestling. Can you, uh, you know, do you have any thoughts on, you know, that or can you, can you even comment on, you know, would that be a place that you would consider uh, going? Well, absolutely. Um, I, I feel like Jeff is, uh, one of the most talented guys when it comes to, organizing and putting together things like of this nature. I mean, look at what he did with TNA 12 right. years ago. And I know, oh, I know. Now we're in a situation now where he's basically going to do the same thing with another company. So yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to see where he's going to go. I'm interested to see what guys he plans on using. I'm interested to see what he's going to do to make this different than TNA or WWE or, you know, whatever product, uh, the products that are currently out there. Yeah. But knowing Jeff, I know that he's put a lot of thought into how to differentiate Global Force Wrestling from the other professional wrestling product that's out there, and uh, I look forward to seeing what he does with it. Absolutely. Uh, how easy was it? You know, was it was it you know, working with Jeff? How easy was it? I mean, was he a guy that you know you didn't have any problems with? You know, whether he was you know front office or you know talent on the screen. I mean, what was it like working with? Uh, Jeff uh, I always had a good time working with Jeff, especially working in the ring with Jeff. I felt like he he has a really good uh, handle on the big picture, and um, you know it was always it was always fun working with him, whether it was in the in the in the ring or behind the scenes. Um, you know, the last couple of months before he left TNA, he was doing a lot of backstage, uh, you know, sort of uh, producing, and that mm-hmm. that was a lot of fun working with him in that respect because. Like I said, he's got his eye on the entire picture, and he knew uh, the best way to uh, present the storyline, and, and he definitely uh, had a lot of insight into making, uh, maximizing the potential of, of every storyline that he had any input in. Yeah, how shocked were you when, when he announced his departure? When we interviewed uh, Todd Kennelly, who used to work for the company last year. He's a regular on this show. A uh, good friend of the show, and he mentioned how shocked he was when he found out the news. And this was after he had already left the company. But uh, you know, what was kind of your impression when he announced his departure, and what was kind of your observation of your colleagues and their responses? Um, yeah, we were definitely shocked. I mean, we didn't see it coming. I didn't think that there was anything brewing between TNA and Jeff that would warrant him to leave. But I mean, now now that he's talked about making his own promotion, now you can sort of see. Um, the mentality behind him leaving. I feel like maybe, uh, you know, he had plans to do stuff with TNA that weren't going to follow through or weren't going to come through. And so he just decided to go off on his own and do, you know, sort of make his vision, his own vision rather than having to input on a lot of different people's visions. Like it was going on at TNA. Yeah. I, it's definitely been, I mean, in this last, you know, six month stretch, I'd say with, you know, Hogan leaving, Sting leaving, AJ Styles leaving, Jeff leaving, you know, there's been a lot of rumors running rampant. I don't know how much you pay attention to these kind of things online, but 
Um, you know, what's kind of been your impression of, uh, you know, could you kind of confirm or deny any of these rumors of, you know, like people saying online, oh, there's low morale in TNA or TNA is up for sale and people, there's not a good outlook on TNA. You know, can you kind of confirm or debunk any of these, you know, crazy rumors that were out there? Um, I've actually said it in a, in a couple other interviews. Um, there's not low morale backstage. I mean, the guys talk, um, you know, and we, we laugh about the things that are ridiculous. We're angry about the things that are frustrating. But, like, the guys backstage are just looking to put out the best product that they can put out. They're only worried about the in-ring and, and, and the show. So, I mean, there's not low morale. No one's looking to, you know, overthrow the government or, or anything like that. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, my, my experience has been like, you know, we're all just trying to get through and, and do the best that we can do to put the best show that we could. So, you know, if there's grumblings backstage, it really is just, uh, it's really more of a camaraderie thing just to like laugh and make, get yourself through the day as you're trying to put on the best show that you can do. So no, there's not low morale. I don't think there's a low morale in TNA at all. Right. Is that the most ridiculous rumor, by the way, that you guys have sat around and laughed about? Or has there been like other crazy ones that you guys just had such a laugh about? Well, I mean, you know, there's always rumors that there's always someone out there that is ringing the doom bell for TNA at some point in some way, shape or fashion. Right. And, um, you know, uh, I've learned not to believe it until it happens. I mean, that's a lot of, a lot of professional wrestling, uh, innuendo on the, the internet and stuff like that. Um, you know, you, you take it with a grain of salt. I mean, the, I, I've always just sort of, looked at what was going on backstage and just sort of shrugged my shoulders. You know what I mean? In terms right. of that, there's nothing I can do about it. If, if something like that's going to happen, it's not going to be because of any one thing that I do right or wrong. It's just a matter of, uh, that's way above our pay level. The guys that are lacing the boots, it's not their decision. Right. So, I mean, there's really nothing that any of those guys can do except continue to do their best work, uh, in front of the camera in the ring. Right, and, and, when, and when you're talking about shrugging your shoulders, and you, and you don't have to get very specific if you don't want to, are you talking more like creative or like, uh, you know, management decisions? What what are you kind of speaking to with that? No, no, I, I just mean when you hear rumors of... Oh, the rumors, uh, rumors, okay. Uh, poor goings on, you just shrug your shoulders like, well, <laughs> yeah. all right, that's a rumor, and that may come true, and it may not, but, you know, you can't do anything about it. Um, if those rumors are going to come true, they're going to come true no matter what you do. So, you, you know, my... My point of view has always been like, you know, just lace up the boots and go work because that's what my job is and that's how I can contribute to this product. Sure. I, I want to ask you about uh, Dixie because, you know, obviously this is the last time we've spoken. A, a lot's changed with her. She's become more of a, a character on television. Has she changed at all? You know, her demeanor, her personality since getting on TV has, you know, has her attitude at all changed or has she kind of been the same person on and off TV always? Um, my, my opinion is that she's always been the same. I mean, I, I feel like because she's taken on the responsibility of being a character on the show that, uh, she's a little more stressed out maybe because there's a little more responsibility rather than just her going out there and sort of being herself like she's, uh, you know, going out there and portraying a character that she's, you know, there's a lot of effort, a lot of stuff going around when, when she became this character. And so, I mean, there's a lot of pressure for her to perform. And I think that, um, you know, that, that affects you in certain ways. But I mean, she hasn't changed in, in a negative way in that respect. 
she just, you know, she's got a lot of pressure on her now to perform and, and sort of hang with guys that have been doing this for a lot longer than her. I mean, you know, it, it's a lot of pressure to put on yourself to go in there and sort of uh, uh, get these storylines across with a lot of the big guys. Right, and as far as her, you know, her passion and her drive to, to the business and her position, you, in your opinion, in your observation, do you think that she's very much dialed in with the company and very much, you know, you know, tuned into everything in, in the right way? Well, I think she's doing, you know, she's got a, a good group of, of people working for her and she's, uh, you know, working hard to get as much done for the company as we can. Yeah. Well, fair enough. Uh, I want to go to uh, Twitter for a moment. We got a, uh, a question from at paradox kid who would like to know your thoughts on the current state of the X division and how you think it can improve going forward. Well, um, you know, I think there's a lot of good guys there. I was very surprised when Seiya uh, Sonata became the X Division champion in Japan, but I feel like he's uh, someone to watch in terms of the future of our company, or mm-hmm. TNA. Yeah. And um, and uh, you know, and it's just a matter of getting those guys and focusing on them. Um, you know, that's when you, you get guys like Kenny King, you get guys like Austin Aries, you get guys like Seiya Sonata. Um, you know, it's just a matter of getting them on, on television and being consistent with, uh, you know, their presentation. You know, sometimes there are times where the X Division champion isn't really a, a force on the television show and, you know, out of sight, out of mind. But, I mean, if you can get uh, a consistent production, a consistent presentation of the X Division champion and the X Division contenders, I think you'll, you'll, you'll get, uh, more, uh, more interest in in the storyline and mm-hmm. in the actual action um, if you keep presenting it as such. Right, right. Uh, Ian Doyle on Twitter wants to know: um, Is WWE is that something you're open to? Uh, I'm I'm open to work, man. I mean i I can't imagine at this point in my career that they'd be specifically interested in me. But I mean, you know, there's I'd never say never, and I mean, I would hope that they would have an open mind if uh, they were interested in using me. But, I mean, you know, the truth of the matter is I've, I've been around for a long time, and it doesn't seem like they're looking for necessarily uh, 21-year veterans uh, to come through the door uh, for their first outing. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, but if they, like, call Jeb and it's like, hey, look, we want you to go through our system in, in Orlando, is, do you kind of see that as somebody who's been in the business for a long time? Is that kind of like a – would that be kind of a slap in the face to you to have to go through their – developmental system first, even though you've got all this experience? Because they kind of like, you know, they, no. they want guys to work their their way and stuff like that. Well, well no. I mean, any new job that you're going to get, you're going to have to learn uh, the way that they want the job done. So okay. I don't see that as a, I don't see that as a slap in the face at all. I see it as a, um, you know, if they were to give me the opportunity to go through their system, I'd be happy to do it. But I mean, you know, I understand too that those spots are, you and um they're trying to give them the guys that they want to put that 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 time into and um you know if they if they looked at me and decided that they wanted to put that effort into me i'd be happy to put that effort into them the same way cool very very yeah very cool uh you know speaking speaking on that uh, there's another guy that you know he he traveled the world and kind of you know went through that process and i know you've worked with this guy you know multiple matches you know hunt you know Tons of matches, but uh, Daniel Bryan. You know, I mean, in Ring of Honor, you know Brian Danielson, but uh, 
What right. are your thoughts on his rise? You know, like going, he went through the system. You know, he was a you know ten year veteran and then went through the system, and now he's basically on top of the WWE mountain. I mean, what what are your thoughts well, on him? Oh, well, I mean, it's just a testament to how hard he worked to get to where he was. I mean, they, uh, you know, the, the the way he wrestled in Ring of Honor uh, is a, is way different than the way he's wrestling now. And I'm not talking about quality. I'm talking about uh, you know, the point of view in terms of like what kind of character he's playing. Um, mm-hmm. and I mean, it's just a testament to his ability to be able to change, uh, change the type of wrestling that he did, still keep that high quality, um, working at that high level and working with the best in the world. But I mean, he's put across a different character there than he did in Ring of Honor and, uh, to the point where people got behind him and there was just such a groundswell of support, uh, that you know, I, I feel like WWE was sort of not forced to put him there, but I mean, uh, what else to on the bandwagon as 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 Daniel got more and more popular with with the fan base? Yeah, for sure. Um, no, Absolutely. no shtick zone in our chat room is asking uh, your thoughts on the one night only pay per views and whether pre tape pay per views will ever be successful. Um, I, I don't know, man. That's a good question. I I'm not sure. I think if they were to get a couple themes, um, you know, uh, you know, they try to do like the Joker's Wild, sort of that battle, uh, that lethal lottery, the battle bowl style. Um, if, if there's a way to get those sort of themed pay-per-views, um, you know, just sort of be consistent with them and keep showing them and hopefully, you know, find out which ones are more popular with the fan base. Um, but I mean, it's still sort of early yet to say, you know whether these are or aren't working. It's just a matter of of time that they're going to have to put into these uh, these one night only pay per views to see if they actually catch on with the audience. Yeah, definitely. Um, just got a couple more here as we got a last couple minutes with you. Um, over your time with the company, do you always feel like you got a fair shake with with what you were given with creative and and that you got the best out of what you were given? Um, I think that I did the best. I think I did the best I could with what I was given. Um, I didn't always think that, uh, we were given as much opportunity or at least given time, uh, all the time. Um, I wish that they had put a little more effort into us, especially once we were the tag team. But I mean, like I said, those are decisions that are made by other people. And I mean, they make them for their reasons. Um, I, I couldn't comment on what they are, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I feel like everything they ever gave to me, uh, I never came back through the curtain after doing something and, found them disappointed like they were always happy as far as i could tell with with our effort and, and working hard and, and going out there and doing what we could with what we were given and I, I don't think any of the fans ever uh saw a bad influence segment and thought well those guys phoned us in those guys weren't doing their best you know what i mean yeah mm-hmm. um here's kind of just a random question random teenage question your thoughts you know watching as a fan your thoughts of the the cheap finishes being used in world title matches kind of over and over. It's been a theme over the years in TNA. What's your take on on that 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 uh, method of going with the title matches? Well, I mean, it, it's not. I, I don't think it's an idea where they're just like, oh well, you know, here's a world title match. Let's uh, let's dilute it down by having wacky finishes. I think whenever they use it, the mentality is that there's a reason they're trying to get a specific uh, response from the fan base at that point. Um, so, I mean, you know, there's, 
they have their reasons for doing these things. Do they always uh, translate to the to the, the the viewers? Maybe not. But I mean, uh, you know, that's like like I said before, they're making their decisions and they're they have a certain mindset. They have a certain uh, goal that they're trying to reach, and these are the methods that they're trying to reach that goal with. Whether they reach it or not, you know, it's uh, I guess it's up to the fan base. If the fan base is turning off the television when they see these things going on, I mean, that's the message to send. But, you know, that's, uh, that's up to the fans at that point to say, well, we're not gonna, we're not gonna put up with this. We want to see this. We want to see something different. And, um, you know, let your voices be heard. Yeah, definitely. Oh, Good, yeah, Chris. absolutely. Oh, uh, I just have, I have one more question. Uh, you had mentioned, you know, earlier about work, you know, working with creative and things like that, but there's one guy that's always seemed to be around a lot of controversy. When it comes to you know programming and writing, it Vince Russo. How, what was it like working with Vince Russo when you were there in uh, TNA? Um, and it was okay. I mean, I I never had any like problems with Vince. Um, you know, I just I, I never felt like he ever put a whole lot of effort into me as a character, and um, you know that's just my opinion on on, on his uh, input towards me. Um, I, I know that he said some derogatory things about me in the past, uh, about my work of what, what I did, but mm-hmm. you know, the truth of the matter is, I, I guess he never saw anything in me that warranted his attention or his, his full efforts. And, um, you know, I, I don't think, I, I think most of the wrestling fan base would disagree with his opinion. Yeah, that's definitely <laughs> that definitely goes for saying. You know, there's rumors out there that uh, he's resigned. He's debunked those rumors. Uh, if he's just kind of playing coy and he really has uh, reached a deal with them, in your opinion, do you think there's anything he can actually add to the current uh, creative process of TNA? Uh, nothing that the guys that are already there can't add. I mean, you know, I, I feel like the guys that were there, like Dave Lagana and, and Matt Conway. They're doing their best and they're doing really well. There's some things that are going well and some things that aren't firing on all cylinders. But I mean, it's a process and I, I feel like, you know, they're doing their best to sort of get a handle on it and try and build certain wrestlers to, to certain places. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think Vince Russo is the, you know, the answer to any of the problems. Right. F- final question. Uh, you know, Christy Hemi was recently added to that creative team. Did you work with her at all in, in that creative uh, role or was she kind of more working with the women or what was her kind of uh, role? Well, the, the truth of the matter is by the time she'd gotten there, I, I was sort of like I hadn't been on television for a long time. So I never really had the opportunity to, uh, you know, work with her while she was doing the creative part of it. Um, you know, the, to me, it would seem more obvious that she's doing a lot more for the women's division, but it's very possible that she's branching out and doing, um, you know, more of a full, you know, doing creative for the whole product rather than just the ladies. But um, I, I couldn't really ever to tell you what she is and isn't working on. Okay, well, uh, very good, Chris. We do appreciate your time on the program. Before we let you go, is there anything you personally would like to uh, to plug before you go? No, man, just, uh, you know, you already plugged the comic book at Aria Comics. It'll be available on Comixology soon. Um, my website is fallenangelchristopherdaniels.com. My schedule is going to be up there. So uh, wherever I end up, um, you know, come follow me and watch watch me work. Yeah, and FAC uh, Daniels on Twitter. That's it. 
And and there was there was no pressure in terms of the follow up from last interview. I think this one uh, went way better. I mean, it went a lot longer than the ten minutes that we had before. So I think I think we got a good one here, Chris. We do appreciate your time. No problem, man. Thanks for having me.